Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Thursday, January 6, 2022. I'm Ash Bennington here with Tommy Thornton, founder of Hedge Fund Telemetry. Thomas, welcome back. It's great to have you on the show again. Uh, welcome back to you too. It's uh, it's been a while for you since you've been on the daily briefing, and I'm happy to have um, you today. It's uh, Maggie's been great, uh, but we got to catch up. We got a lot to talk about. Absolutely. I know it's been a minute since we've done the show together. Let's zoom the camera out, Tommy, and talk about what's happening big picture right now. Equities down, yields up. Obviously, crypto also taking a hit. All eyes on the Fed. Inflation, talk of taper, rising rates, a balance sheet unwind. What's going on here, Tommy? I know you've been very busy. You've been active on Twitter. How are you thinking about this, and how are you positioning yourself? So I, I thought today about the equity market, and I looked at all the internals, and I looked at a lot of the different facets of what's been happening. And we've seen a market over the last quarter with a lot of stocks that have already been hit and pushed down pretty hard. And finally, in the last few weeks, or actually last week, we've started to see the mega cap stocks start to give way. And I would say that the catalyst has been uh, what the Fed said, uh, they're hawkish, which I don't think anybody should be that surprised. Uh, but the bond market has sold off, and it spooked all the high-flying tech stocks and generally a lot of the market, except for the value stocks. And there's been a huge rotation into value, which is financials, energy, materials, some industrials, uh, cyclicals. So I think there's a lot going on, and where do you want me to start? Gosh, there's a lot to unpack there. Let's start with the bond market, as that uh, sounds like the catalyst in terms of your framework. How are you looking at it? What rates are you looking at? Uh, what time horizons, and how are you thinking about it? Well, there's a lot in the bond market that I'm watching, and we've actually. I thought we were going to see a, a bit more of a flattener between the two ten. Thought we have a little bit more. Um, it reversed, um, and it actually today it flattened a little bit today. But I think that the ten-year, which is um, which is my focus, breaking above one seven one point seven percent, was really a important level because that's the recent peak. And I look at waves, and that was the third wave higher. And now we're in the fifth wave, and I have a price objective of, of just under two percent for the 10-year. What's really giving me more, let's say, conviction is that we have DeMarc upside signals, of the countdowns on the upside on the daily, weekly, and monthly all happening together. And when I get that type of um, in-sync behavior with one asset in different timeframes, it makes me feel like, okay, this is going to be a really powerful move. And 
Another thing is I look at the SPY versus the TLT, which is sort of a basic ratio that I'm looking at. On a monthly, that's on month. Let's nine unpack that, Tommy. This is the this is the uh, this is s and P five hundred uh, versus TLT. This is twenty year or longer Treasury uh, moves relative in direct proportion to price, not yield. Uh, so when you see TLT falling, that means yields are rising. Correct. Correct. Uh, I'm also looking at the investment grade uh, uh, ETFs and high yield. And both of those are, they've been falling as well. And that, those have been rock solid. And we're starting to see stress there. This is a big month for issuance. And it's going to be a big test to see if people have the, the appetite to digest some of the issuance that's coming. And I, I think there's going to be a big issuance happening in the Treasury market because now that the uh, debt ceiling uh, fiasco or, or, I actually, I used to call it the Kabuki Theater, um, is over. I think there's going to be a big amount of issuance coming. And then again, you have the Fed, who's tapering, and they've been the biggest buyer of treasuries. So I think that there's going to be upward stress on yields, and that will hurt equities. What happens, though, is you'll get this, these spikes higher, and, and then all of a sudden, the equity market will say, oh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll be cool with that. And they bounce the tech names and get a little squeeze, and then the, the yields go a little higher, and then they get a little bit more nervous. But like one thing that I look at, and I've talked to you about this, is I make custom indices of, of different stocks, and I have the MAGA index, and that is Microsoft, Apple, Google and Amazon. I know it's a bad reference on a day like today, but the the point is maybe those we call main it gamma stocks, index. <laughs> yeah, I have. I think I built one of the gamma index, but so, uh, the, the the thing is also on um, the top three NDX names. They're hitting two and a half month lows to in that index together. Now, I think it's a lot has to do with Amazon that's been really looking weak. And I wouldn't be shocked to see Amazon break under 3,000. Um, Apple and Microsoft are a bit extended, overvalued, overloved, crowded. But we'll see how that goes. They've got huge buybacks, and the guy that's buying back the stock for Apple's just got his elbow on the buy, buy button all day. So, look, I, I think that there's risk. There's a weird action in the equity markets because usually – I see things that are that get oversold, and they're not oversold. And some of those are the percentage of stocks above the 50-day moving average within the S&P and the 20-day moving average. Those aren't oversold, and they actually spiked up on the Santa Claus three-day rally in December. So I'm, I'm a little bit confused on the equity market. It's not necessarily a good confusion. Uh, I think there's risk that all those mega-cap names could catch down to the you know the all the other ones the software names the other ones that have just been decimated but i also like financials i like energy i'm not in energy i i missed this move and i'm a buyer on dips but i like all the big banks i like goldman jp morgan pnc um city uh city's my largest uh bank holding right now mm. so there's opportunity out here you know, 
I, Tell I me, why do you like, like the banks? Tough. Let me ask if I can. What, why do you like the banks? Is this a rising net interest margin play on rising rates, or do you see some other secular reason why you see a tailwind there? You know, I think that there's just a, that the um, rising rates will help them uh, if they can if we can see the uh, yield curve uh, uh, steepen. I think that would um, certainly help. I think there's a lot. Those are very, you know, under I think under owned currently, um, and I think that they could continue higher. I think they're safe. In this type of play, I mean, I got I, somebody's going to write in and say, "Oh yeah, safe." Uh, but I think right now there's some pent up demand for the value area, and I'm more than happy to buy the U.S. banks, which I think are in a lot better shape than European banks, Asian banks, um, and so I think it's more like a safe haven. It's not, you know, necessarily going to spike up 20%, but I think that. Going into earnings, I think they're going to do okay. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Tell me a lot there, but let me just draw a line under something that you were mentioning earlier, uh, just to put a really fine point on it, particularly for people who are new uh, to the fixed income space. Uh, We talked a lot uh, abstractly about some of the things that were happening in the bond market, but the simplest thing to think about right now, if you're relatively new to this, is just to look at the U.S. uh, 10-year Treasury note yield uh, from December 31, uh, trading on a, on a yield basis at around 1 spot 5, uh, 1 spot 49. I think it hit, went over 1 spot 5 a day. And now here we are, 1 spot 725. So it's it's 22 bips uh, here from the from the end of the year. This is a really dramatic move. 10-year note uh, yield doesn't generally move this quickly unless there's a significant driver behind it. Yeah. And it's better economic data, which I believe will see for the next few months, and then it's going to start to moderate. But the Fed is, they've, you know, look, Jared Dillian said the best. He said, if Kashkari is getting hawkish, imagine what all the other members, how they're reacting to the inflation data. And yeah. I, look, I think inflation will probably moderate into come April on some things, but I think that there's real risk um, that the Fed's going to really, they're going to finish the Q, um, QE uh, tapering end of March. And I'm not necessarily sure they're going to raise rates because I think the equity markets are going to freak out so much that they're going to say, oh, we're going we're gonna to hold off. And I think that's the wrong thing to do for the Fed, specifically because they're reacting to the way the market is not not necessarily the, the economic data out there. Yeah, by the way, Jared's joke there, uh, Neil Kashkari, who is the president of the Minneapolis uh, Fed, has been consistently uh, dovish. And so when you hear him making uh, these remarks that sound uh, rather uh, hawkish, it's certainly a sign that the, uh, the the hardest, it's like getting a 10 from the Russian judge, I guess, right? It's just like this idea that the people who have been most <laughs> resistant to the idea have come on board and said, hey, you know, Let's uh, let's let's retire transitory, as uh, Chairman Powell said. 
I mean, maybe that's like a, a sentiment sign that saying that, that inflation has peaked. I mean, I could have, it could be on some things, I think, but, uh, you know, I just think that I like when, when Ash, you have to explain the joke that, that I just made. That's good. And I love when you come and I love when you cap the joke with a contrarian indicator, maybe this is an inflation peak. Yeah. I mean, it, it's sometimes when you see these types of people that have had, you know, one way uh, opinion and they make a big 180, you know, sometimes it's a little late. And so that's, you know, that's certainly a possibility. Hey, one other thing I wanted to talk about sort of uh, on this general theme is your arc short. You're up 40% on this trade. Yeah, it's, it's, um, look, I, I, nothing against Kathy Wood. I, I think she's a, a great promoter and she's done really, really well. Um, but I also look at it as a liquidity aspect and inflows. And, and it's actually kind of a maybe something people should think about in the overall market. Because in 2020, her inflows just went nuts. And I mean, she had so much capital and she could just buy every any stock she wanted that was speculative, that had no earnings, and was the future, according to her. And she bought tons of Tesla. And look, I think that the problem is that if you start to lose that momentum, which she did last year, she's going to have to start selling down some of the high flyers and let's just say very illiquid stocks. And that is a risk to the whole, the fund. And I mean, if I was a, you know, running a hedge fund today and I had to post all of my trades every day, I would be panic stricken that people were going to pick me off. And it's not that I'm picking her off. I just, I actually shorted it because I thought Tesla was going to be the one that would knock her, you know, the, pop the bubble there. Right. But we've seen huge outflows huge outflows in arc uh, all last year and it's it's uh, it's weird i have this chart that's like all green inflows and then all red outflows and she's had to sell down a lot of her stocks um, partly because just the liquidations and that that happens um, i've actually way back when i worked at a fund that uh, was a long only fund and that was around 2000 and i kind of get what she went through but the thing is, she's you know the, the Tesla trade has actually been amazing for her. And I've said, you know, all of her research and robo taxis and you know automation, automate um, full self driving and all the things that she predicted that would be happening now and the semi truck and the roadster, none of that happened. So it, it was just a gamma squeeze. So I kind of look at it like it was like her hitting a hole in one, but she shanked the the ball off of a tree and off of a cart path and it landed in the hole. So it's a hole in one. She, you know, can say I crushed it in Tesla, but everything else is falling apart right now there. And um, I'm not sure if I'm going to hold on to my short much longer. I might take some off. It's it's getting a little overdone. Yeah. 
I mean, obviously, Kathy is not here with us today. Uh, if she were, I imagine she'd probably say something on the order of, hey, look, these are longer term uh, positions. We're taking these because we're looking at the future. We're looking to growth. We're trying to predict uh, what this world is going to look like in one, five, 10 years. Uh, obviously, gamma squeezes happen. Prices move up. Prices move down. Inflows and outflows into the fund happen, but it hasn't affected the thesis. Yeah, well, that's great, but liquidity is another issue that you know, you if your if your uh, investors are pulling their money, uh, your long term thesis still isn't intact. But you're you're losing um, people are jumping off the arc, uh, so to speak, uh, because they don't want to sit around for five years and hope these things come true. And they may, they may, but it just may be a lot lower before a lot higher. I mean, and a lot of those stocks have they don't have earnings, which that's I mean, let's just stop right there. <laughs> um, so shifting gears here a little bit, talking about things that have uh, have gone down a bit uh, and may go up more in the future. Let's talk a little bit about crypto. Uh, right now, Bitcoin trading at forty three thousand two hundred and fifty seven. Uh, Ethereum at 3,428 as we speak. Uh, I just saw Mike Novogratz calling a floor uh, on Bitcoin at 38,000. I know you've been doing some DeMarc analysis. What are your thoughts right now uh, on Bitcoin, on Ethereum, and on the crypto complex more broadly? Well, going back to the recent peak, um, we had a uh, DeMarc uh, sequential exhaustion signal the day before the last high. And we recently had some DeMarc buy signals. Um, and I recommend, I went out to my uh, clients and I said, you can buy a little here. And it was around 4,500, 4,600. And I said, use 40, a little over 4,300 as a stop. And it's just technical, it's not anything. But one thing I said is, I, not all the boxes were checked here that gave me the confidence to say this is a super strong buy. Um, part of it was that there was a chance that the sequential could recycle and that continue the trend lower. And that's on the daily. And on the weekly, we've had a downside countdown in play for a while. And again, I like to see the weekly exhaust on the downside and the daily together. And that would give me a really big buy signal. So I didn't like seeing Ethereum, you know, making a two-month low or almost a three-month low. And I think that when you have the Nasdaq and a lot of the high-flying stocks start to get hammered and the markets are going down hard, people own, you know, a lot of the speculative stuff in the Nasdaq, and they're going to own Bitcoin, and they're going to sell anything that's not nailed down. Yeah. So talking about tech, talking about the future, I want to take a look at a clip, uh, something that I really enjoyed. Uh, this is a conversation hosted by Dr. Pippa Malmgrim, uh, and the guests are Alexander and Hector Fernandez, the Fernandez brothers. Really fascinating, insightful uh, clip. Let's take a look. Like if you go back to 1990 and you think about how computing was back then, very few PCs in people's homes, but there's a lot of mainframe computing, right? Yeah. We're using mainframes to process things. Think about what right now AWS is. Think about basically totally. cloud computing. These investments were made in the 90s that are not coming to fruition today. So the pattern repeats. And that's what gaming teaches you. 
find the pattern, get ready for the cycle. That's what finance teaches you as well. Totally. So these worlds come together in such an incredible way that you're just waiting for that moment. You just, unfortunately, when you're 20, you don't realize how far those those damn moments are. They're like 20, it's a <laughs> 20, 20 year years. cycle, right? You know? <laughs> you know, you don't know what that is. But I think this is something that is, it's extremely important, especially for people that are watching, you know, especially people who are like, I don't, you know, video games, you know, it's the toy. I don't get why this is happening. But you take a step back, you look at it. It's a way to connect with people, right? Well, there you have it. Talk about the future of gaming, uh, not just for gaming's sake, but the broader applications of gaming technology, gaming as a new operating system to connect the world, to connect people. I find this just absolutely fascinating, Tommy. Any thoughts on this? Have you thought about this gaming space? I think it's just absolutely intriguing. When I was out in Las Vegas during the uh, during the takeover event that Real Vision did, Real Vision Crypto, uh, I had the chance to have dinner uh, with Alexander Fernandez, and he just blew me away with his thoughts. It's like one of those things, I've been thinking about gaming for some time. If you have friends uh, who have uh, teenage sons, especially, Actually, they sit in front of the computer and they play these games and they're just super engaged in it. And sitting down with Alexander, I had this sense of like the ideas that I'd thought about in the shower just come back to me elegantly formed uh, in Alexander's analysis of the world. Just a really impressive guy with a really interesting take on this space. Well, the gaming world is, um, well, it's expo it's exploded. I mean, we yeah. already, the um, Oculus uh, goggles and the um, AR goggles that you know Apple's going to have, and they're they're going to. I mean, I heard of a, a a friend of mine said that he got it for his son uh, for Christmas, and he tried it. And it's really cool and great. You know, I think the the, the bigger application is going to be maybe military, and yeah. people don't realize that that you know these people are going to have these goggles and they're going to be piloting a drone uh, flying around the world and, you know, hopefully not killing people. But the bottom line is they make video games so close to real life. Um, there, there's, there's some frightening thoughts there. Um, I, on a better note, I do have a, my neighbor has a gaming comp uh, setup for Formula One driving. And it's got like a heavy steering wheel and it's got screens all around. I love it. So I really want yeah. that. But I, I I love gaming. My my biggest problem is I don't have the time. And if I had the time, my wife would find that time and make me do something else with her. So uh, I love the idea. And I have I certainly um, I do think that he's absolutely right um, about the future. I I worry, though, about some of the applications that it could go. Yeah, me too. Two thoughts. One of the things that I think that makes Alexander's thinking on this subject so interesting is that his key insight is uh, that gaming is going to be an operating system that connects the world. We've already built uh, these very rich worlds. We've built the technology. We've built the hardware. We've built the software. And this is going to be something that's going to expand much more broadly uh, than just in the gaming space per se. And second thought to your uh, Formula One point, I went and did uh, one of those virtual uh, headset Formula One driving games. I sat in the car, get in it. The first thing you're like, wow, this is so amazing. This is so cool. You hit the gas pedal. And the first time you crash that damned virtual car, it's terrifying. It's like your nervous system really believes what's happening in the goggles is happening in the real world. It's just extraordinary how lifelike it is when you have the cues, the 3D binocular vision, the audio, the feedback on the steering wheel. Man, it's just an overwhelming experience. 
you know, Formula One drivers and actually a lot of, you know, race car drivers, they all have these gaming setups and they, before they go to a new uh, track, they're testing and testing in their, you know, their simulators. And it's really, really accurate. And you can change the rear wing, you can change the tire settings, you can do anything. And it really is, it, it, it shows up in the feedback um, and the timing, which is, which is incredible. So yeah, I, I really like to have one of those. And, um, you know, I, I, I really just need the time. <laughs> sit here in my office all day. We're going to take another quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Tommy, uh, let's uh, go in and grab some questions because they're coming in fast and thick. Uh, here's a question let's that go. came to us from YouTube. This is from RAR Capital Concepts. And the question is, and it's a question I'd really like to hear the answer to as well. Uh, Thomas, are there signals besides DeMarc that you use to think about inflection points slash regime shifts? What makes a better potential indicator? What makes a potential indicator better or worse? He's asking, how do you look at the world if you use other than DeMarc? And how do you evaluate indicators for their relevance to your strategy? Well, I, I use a lot of different indicators, and I, I, I'm not, well, let's just say I, one indicator that uh, I use, um, it's actually a research product from Erlanger, Phil Erlanger. He used to be the head technician at Fidelity, and um, he's put together just an incredible um, platform. And he looks at short interest, and I love looking at short interest. And short interest hasn't been as effective this last year, because I think what's been more effective is looking at put calls and the ratio of put buying versus call buying. And I found, and it's been uncanny how well it works when there's high amounts of call buying, and usually the stocks have already moved higher it's a good good signal that it could fade. It just gives you a good positioning. And if there's a lot of put buying, there's a good chance that you might get a put squeeze, which is sort of like a short squeeze. And I just did this with Nike recently. I There was a lot of call buying at the highs. I shorted it the day before earnings. I looked at it and put it out onto my research. And I said, look, there's a lot of put buying now. I covered it and the stock went up and there was a put squeeze. So I love looking at that. And one other thing that I like, as far as with the DeMarc indicators, I like to look at time periods that go in sync. And like I talked about the, the bond market that's in sync. So you have the daily, weekly, and monthly. And I, I tend to focus on, I look at 60-minute timeframes uh, for tactical trading and then daily, and then an overall longer-term picture with the weekly. The monthly is sort of interesting, but it's not as obviously as timely, but it gives you an understanding. But that's that's kind of what I, I look at. 
Yeah. You know, since you mentioned Erlinger Research, I'd like to mention another research note, Hedge Fund Telemetry, uh, your research note that you put out daily. Uh, today's message, uh, mixed messages, I thought, great quote here, talking of Erlinger Research, quote, last year in the total universe that Erlinger Research follows showed only 55% of all stocks were up in 2021. Obviously, a banner year for the broader equity markets. This speaks uh, to the point about the concentration of the gains and the narrowness of the market. Yeah, we've seen that for, I mean, it, it was a little bit more, the dispersion was a little higher this year and this last year, and there were really some great opportunities for shorting. And I've mentioned some ideas in the past and on Real Vision and uh, they, they really, they really worked well, um, and you just have to almost find the ones that people aren't really looking at. And I don't like to find the ones that. Well, I did with Tesla, but that's you know, <laughs> uh, but the stuff that's not really being focused on. And like Nike is one that people weren't really looking at it, and it fell back. And I made you know eight percent on the downside, which for a short in this type of market, I'm fine doing that. Um, I looked DoorDash was another one. I did a pair trade with FedEx. FedEx is a long and DoorDash is a short, and it was a forty percent combined win. I, you know, it's um, there's ideas out there. Um, yeah, yeah. So, Tom, as we come to the close of this show, curious final thoughts, key takeaways that you'd like to leave folks with. Well, I think that right now is a tricky time. We're heading into earnings, and if the market sells off into earnings, I think that actually sets up better for bulls, uh, because if things get a little bit more oversold, the bar goes down a bit for earnings, and stocks can bounce from there. And I think also there's going to be more put buying happening, and I'll I'll tweet out some of the Erlanger stuff that will show. The, the heavy put buying. And the, the, in March of 2020, which there's a lot of signals as far as the amount of selling going on right now at the brokerages, um, there was a huge put buying, huge, huge put buying at the lows. And I just looked at this and said, this market's going to rip. And I think that could happen again. I think this is going to be a year of tactical trading. It's not one you just, oh, I'm going to buy the S&P and sit back and do nothing, I think it's going to be tough. And I think it's going to take a lot of diligence and tactical trading, basically, and finding a lot of good ideas. There's going to be ups and downs, um, much more than the 4% down move that we had, uh, I think, three times last year. Yeah. Tommy, that sounds like a setup for a really interesting year. You and I have to keep doing this. Do it more often. This was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, welcome back. Thank you. And thanks again for watching Real Vision Daily Briefing. Maggie Lake will be back tomorrow with Peter Bookmore. As always, the conversation continues on Real Vision's Exchange. Thanks for watching, everybody. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.